Thank you for the welcome and good morning. It's really great to be here. You know, um, is Hudson here this morning? He's, I, um, when you guys first started, I was around and, and, and you met Hus- Hudson and um, I know, you know Bruce and a few others. It's just great to be here. And uh, so greetings to you from Wainui Omata, where we reside. Matthew chapter 28, and really great to hear the rustling of pages or the turning on of cell phones and the, you know, whatever. It's always good to bring your Bible to church. We spoil ourselves by having PowerPoint, don't we? But so, yeah, right. Good. It's good to, uh, it's a bit hard to see you all, but you're all out there. Uh, my wife Anthea's down here. Uh, we have the, the joy of living in Wainui Amara, and at the moment we are running a Bible school. There's a banner at the back there. And Bruce, um, yeah, Bruce and Jeanette invited us to come, and it's your mission Sunday. So we want to just encourage you, because I get the sense that this is a missionary church. This is a church about mission. That's, that's what I'm picking up. Would that be a pretty good estimate? So I'm not um, trying to teach you how to suck eggs, as they say, but I really want to encourage you to keep keep on doing what you're doing, but to do it with more zeal and more vigor and more passion. And so Matthew 28 and verse 16, I've, I've got the controls, so we should be able to work the PowerPoint from there, from here. Let's read God's word. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Some doubted. There's always some, aren't there, isn't there? And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. My mum died at age 83. It's about it's a few years ago now, not too many, about five years, I guess. And, you know, when in her uh, time leading up to her death, she called us kids together. I've got three sisters and me. And she said some things she wanted to say to us while she could still do it. And she gave us effectively her last words. And she told us how we'd been good kids and made her proud and all that kind of thing. And I remember it because last words are significant, aren't they? They are very significant. And here's Jesus, last words to us. And, you know, if I was writing the script or if you you were writing the script for Jesus' last words, what would you say? What would you say? Would you say, hey guys, by the way, you know, before I go, love one another? Or w- would, would you say, hey everyone, don't forget to go to church on Sundays? <laughs> or, I don't know, remember to forgive those who do wrong to you? Or uh, the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do to you? Or better still, do to others as you'd, you know, as they do to you? No, that's not the right way. Um, What would we write? These words, Jesus didn't say any of those things. He gave us what we call the Great Commission, didn't he? And he he gave us this command that if, if 
not if we don't obey it, it makes all of our Christian activity pretty meaningless. That we are to be going. We're to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to all peoples. It's the nations is actually people groups. All peoples. And the commanders make disciples, right? And the, the, the defining words of this, hang on, got to remember to do this. To make disciples and go, and we are to go with, with passion and compassion. And to be baptizing and to be teaching. Anthea, just uh, yell at me if things aren't happening behind me, won't you? <laughs> I don't want to keep on turning around. And this is the heart of missions, and it's the heartbeat of Jesus. It's his last words, and we need to listen to last words. They are always significant. And it's easy, isn't it, when we hear the command to go, it's easy to feel guilty. Or it's easy to sit back and think, you know, that's for people like um, Bruce, the other Bruce, who's gone on a plane this afternoon to Singapore. Bruce. Uh, yeah, well, that's for people like him, you know, old and retired and, and, and probably, you know, whatever, financially able to do it. And <laughs> you're welcome. Um, but it's easy to sit back, just like we do in church sometimes. We sit at the back. That's okay, you can sit at the back. But, but, but by, sometimes by, we, we kind of sit at the back figuratively. And we're watching others. But this is a command for all of us, that we are all to be involved in this, this going. And it is a sense of going and be baptizing and be teaching it, be doing that. This is a continuous thing. It's not just for a one-off, I did my mission trip back in 19... Where? No, it's not that. It's, it's that we are to live a lifestyle of going and baptizing and teaching. And it's a heart of, of it. And, and so we're not to feel guilty. But this, we're to have a desire to go with, to others with the good news, not from obligation, but from compassion. And we read somewhere in Matthew 9, I think it is, the 36, where Jesus saw crowds. He had compassion. And that word compassion is a word related to, 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 to intestines. It's that Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had a visceral reaction deep within him. There was something, oh, that, that really gripped him. And he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed. We read that. A real gut reaction. And, you know, you don't get that, do you, from watching TV news reports of some famine in Nigeria or wherever it might be. Yeah, that's momentary, but I don't think we get a real mission heart from doing that. Somehow we are called to get, to, to get out as Jesus did. He saw the crowds. He went to them. And somehow that's a challenge to the church together, collectively, to do that. And sometimes we need to get off our proverbial backsides, so to speak, and do something and go somewhere and somehow stir that compassion God forbid that we would be passionless people who sit on pews none of us want that do we 
And I've been asked to share a little bit of my story today. And, it's, but I just, and, and so I will do that. That's what um, Bruce and Jeanette asked me to do. But in doing that, I just want you to know it's my story. And you know what? You're called to write your story. And I don't for one believe that, uh, that the, the Bible teaches us that God has an exact little plan for each of us. I think he's got a big plan that says go. And I, I, I think it's theologically correct to say that we, in many ways, we write our own story as, as we go in that plan. That, that God, you know, we don't wait around and say, well, you know, if God wants me to do something, he'll tell me. He's already told us. And he's given us so many talents and abilities and we are so different. And, and we can, to many, in many ways, write our own story. And knowing that if, if, if we go to do something which is totally ridiculous, God can stop us. But in our going, he guides us. And he, and he inspires us. So this is my story. So there you go. What's my, stirred my compassion? Our church in Wainui Omara that we were pastoring had uh, supported an orphanage in Myanmar. And so three guys and I went to visit there to take a gift of money to them so they could uh, do some building in their orphanage. And along the way, I happened to go to a, on the streets, actually, and, and, and found another orphanage. And I met this little Burmese girl. She's the one down there at the bottom with a head shaved. And she was about six years old. She'd just come out of hospital only a, a few months earlier and uh, being treated for serious internal injuries because she was pack-raped by a bunch of Burmese soldiers. And she nearly died, but there she is. And they said that as I videoed these kids singing a little song that some Christian students had taught them. And it was actually a Buddhist orphanage. It's very unusual to find a Buddhist orphanage, but it was. Actually, God, I tell you, the lady who ran the orphanage told us that God had spoken to her. God, as in creator God, had spoken to her, a Buddhist, that she was to care for orphans. And she quit her job and she started these orphanages. And she, she was this far from the kingdom. And I probably is in the kingdom now. But that's another story. And, and, and as we videoed them, they told us she hadn't, she hadn't laughed or smiled. And this was the first time. And here she is leaning on my knee, which was a significant thing for this little girl who'd been so abused by men. That stirred my compassion. Or... In the same orphanage, here was a, a young fella playing guitar. He only walked on one leg in a crutch because his, his leg was bent up about like this because scar tissue had formed here after the, the fire that killed his pastor dad and his mum and the rest of his family had burned him so severely that his leg was permanently up here. thought, you know, so unfair. We could bring him home and he could have an operation and, and be able to walk again. But here he was singing and, and so longing for a home that would adopt him, a little Akar uh, Hill Tribe uh, boy. And that stirred my compassion. And then this wee little girlie, about five years old, carrying a baby on, mostly on her back with one of those wraparound things. 
And while her mum and dad were lying in a, 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 drug, a, a drugged uh, opium days all day, she would go out and beg on the streets and carry her little baby sister around and love that little sister. And we bumped into this little girl. I'll tell you how in a minute. But we bumped into her, saw her walking down the street over the other side of the the road while we were being guided by another lady uh, through the streets uh, on the border of Myanmar. And here she was with a shirt hanging out, and she had a baby bottle, and she was trying to wipe out the old um, coagulated milk from the inside of the bottle so she could beg for some milk off the shops and feed her little sister. And we I just felt the compassion of Jesus. But you know what? You don't have to go to Thailand, and you don't have to go to Myanmar. And you don't have to do what I've done to see and have compassion. And I guess the challenge for us is, have we seen through the eyes of Jesus? Have we seen the hurting of the world? Have you ever seen the despair in the faces of mothers who watch their kids die in their arms from disease or starvation? Have you heard the the cry of heathen people as they bury their loved ones without hope? of salvation? Or have you even ever gone down Wellington on a, on a Saturday night and, and, and seen the young people and the homeless wandering around trying to find life in, in, in the bottle and, and yet so empty of hope and of life and had the compassion of Jesus stir your heart? You ever held an orphan in your arms? little followers in Myanmar too and just wanted just someone to give him a hug and and you know you'd be saying well that's fine for you Phil your journey your adventures have taken you there and it has been an adventure it's been fantastic but it makes me think when I see this little orphan boy of a lady who's 80-something, and she lives in Stokes Valley. And until recently, she would spend her entire year scrounging wool and knitting little finger puppets that we were able to take to this orphanage. Little wee tiny puppets that you went on your finger, little made of wool and, and that. And she would make them right there in Stokes Valley because she had somehow caught the compassion in the heart of Jesus for missions for the lost of this world. And so she never went, but she caught something, the love of Jesus for orphans. And I don't know what it will take us if we don't feel compassion. The mandate still stays the same, doesn't it? It's still there that we're to be going. Whatever we feel, whether we've got caught up in that compassion or whether we kind of feel a little bit dry about it. Nevertheless, the command is to go. And not to go is to have good news and keep it to ourselves. Not to go is, be, is almost to be like that little kid in the playpen with the other kids. He's got the bag of lollies or he wants all the toys and, and lashes out at anyone who, who tries to take his toys off him. You know, we, we don't want to be people like that. We want to be those who share the good news. 
And so what would this going look like? What could it look like? And again, this is my story. I'm getting to share my story. This is cool. It could look like my older sister Celia, who is a young person, went for 10 years, gave 10 years of her life, trained as a nurse, and then as a midwife, and went over to Thailand as a missionary. And she put marriage off. Ooh, oh, no, Lord, don't let that happen. But she did. She's married now, but she did. She gave away her childbearing years to serve. Or it could be like a solo mum. And the, what I'm really, part of what I'm wanting to say here is as I, I look at you, think, well, some of you are getting a little bit older than going, getting on a plane. And so you might never go. And that's, that's cool. That's okay. Because there are other ways that God will call you to serve. But there could be someone like Sandy, who's a solo mum living in Australia until she, she kind of thought, well, uh, my, 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 my ex is ex, as an exit, and my kids have grown, and my church is willing to send me. I'll go and live in Thailand on the streets and love these street kids. That's that same little kitty. And it was Sandy that we bumped into, all by accident, who showed us around, and who showed us that she had a heart of compassion. Or going could look like my son Steve. He's the guy on the left and the, with his head down digging a ditch who went for a three-week short-term mission trip to Solomon Islands there and helping building facilities in a Bible school. Going could be like that for some of you. Some of you have probably already been on mission trip. Anyone been on a mission trip? Fantastic. Oh, look at those hands. Amazing. So you could tell your story. To my wife and me, and this is just a little bit of way of introducing us, it, it, it could mean taking some foster kids into your home. We adopt, managed to adopt eight kids from the Philippines. And that's not our boast, it's just our story. The only reason I ever hesitate to share that story is that people sometimes think, oh, you know, oh, well, you're wonderful people, you know, yeah, I could never do that. And it got me thinking about that because actually it's not, a wonderful thing. It's a very normal thing. And I, and I came across this church in America where that surpasses a wife in, in the purpley, bluey jersey. And this church said there's a lot of need in our community. And so about 20 families fostered 76 kids in their town. 700 people in their town. That's a, high, that's a lot of kids. And most of the kids were abused neglected or abandoned. They brought them into their church community, fostered them. Fantastic. I love reading stories like that. And maybe just sometimes when we read stories like that, of all of the 90% of us who say, I could never do that, there might be someone who says, I could do that. And so it might be that because of what we do is together, if one person says, I can and I could and I think I will, the whole is doing it. And so when Bruce hops on that plane to Singapore, you are sending him, aren't you? It's not some, oh, that's his thing. You know, good on, good on him, it's not me. No, it's, we are together. 
And we do it as body, as family. Fantastic. Who's going to the airport to pray him out? (laughs) That's a wee bit of my story. But you see, going is not necessarily geographical going, going, hopping on a plane. It's worked that way to some extent in my life occasionally, and it's occasionally. But what does go look like in your life? What does it be going? Because it's a continuous verb. What does it look like? What could it look, look like? And this command that Jesus gives us says that in our going, we are to be baptizing. So excuse me looking around. i am just got to make sure that um, anyway, I know what I'm doing. And we are to be baptizing. And I thought about that. Because baptizing means, first of all, a washing. And, and it, it illustrates a washing from sins. And I thought about that, that prostitute who was dragged before Jesus, dirty and scarred and abused and discarded by men. And as she stood there weeping, Jesus' words of forgiveness and acceptance healed her wounded soul. And so many would stand before Jesus and do stand before him and say, he could never forgive me. How many times have I heard people say that? He could never forgive me. He could never wash away my sins. And so we're called to baptize people, which is a figurative washing to say, you know what? Jesus washes away your sin. There's nothing you could do that's too great for his forgiveness to touch and wash and so we are to be baptizing. We are to be proclaiming a message of acceptance. And that is so sometimes easily said and not so easily done. And I think uh, in terms, I think of a prisoner that I met because my church in its, uh, has given me the task of, of coordinating our, our, our prison outreach little program, which is a very tiny little thing that we do. But we are what, what they used to call a target community, that prison fellowship. You know, you guys know prison fellowship. they got an office here, eh? And, um, and so I've been visiting a guy in prison. And some of these stories aren't very good. And some of these stories involve things like rape. And, and, and some of them are abuses of others. And they need to know the love of Jesus. And they need to know that Jesus can even forgive what they've done. Those horrendous things. And we call to be Jesus' voice and Jesus' hands and feet are to be ones who receive them and say, you know what, we forgive you because Jesus forgives you. And it's very real where the rubber meets the road because some of these guys don't even want to go there with what they've done. Forgiveness is available. And we are to be baptizing. And second, you know, we're we're to teach the cost of discipleship. And if we teach the cost of it, we're to live the cost of it. There's a costly aspect of following Jesus, isn't there? That baptism represents someone going into the ground and dying to their old life and being raised to new life. 
And you would know, I'm sure, that in many nations of the world, it's okay to believe in Jesus. It's okay to, 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 to hear about Jesus. It might even be okay to own a Bible. But, but don't you dare be baptized. Because if you are baptized, you, may, you might be killed. Baptism marks that, that, that point where your family will throw you out, where your community will throw you out. They might gather literal stones and stone you. They might kill you because you've declared, I am a follower of Jesus. And, and sometimes I wonder when we're baptized, if we really realize for, the, for most of the world that baptism is a costly act. It's a drawing of a line and saying, I now am a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus. And it's costing me possibly my very life. It might cost me my job. It might cost me the, the, the ability to look after my kids. My husband might throw me out or whatever it might mean. It's costly. And that's the gospel that we preach. And it's the gospel that we proclaim by our very actions in life. It costs to follow Jesus. If it costs us nothing to be a disciple, then we cannot preach it to others. Go and make disciples. He was really saying, Jesus was really saying, go and make more of what I've made you. Make more of what I've made you, a disciple. And then in this command of Jesus, teaching obedience to his commands and making disciples, be making disciples. What's a disciple? It's a learner. A disciple is a learner of Jesus. One who loves the Lord with all his or her mind and soul and heart and strength. And that's why Anthea and I are passionate about two things. This is the, another thing that I was asked to talk about. Is that we are running something called Impact Christian Training College. Because we are passionate about this, that we are to be learners. And I read a story recently which kind of threw me. Have you heard of Jonathan Edwards, that great revivalist, Billy Graham of his day in a way? He's dead now. But when he was 12, he could speak fluently Greek, Hebrew, Latin, and English, of course. And he went to Yale University just at the end of his 12th year. And four years later, as a 16-year-old, he graduated top of the university. And that's another whole story, but it just really got me thinking of how lazy we've become as Christians. To be really honest, how, you know, we kind of barely open our Bibles Oh, yawn, yeah, I might read a few verses. Oh, word for the day, one verse. Do you have a word for the day up here? Anyway. And a verse a day, you know, keeps the doctor away sort of stuff. But friends, we are called, each one of us, to be a learner, to be one who studies the word of God, who digs deeper and goes deeper into God. And so for, we've been encouraged because we've, got, we've had some adults who have enrolled with us at a Bible school who dared to say Bible school is not for the elite, it's not for the intelligent or, or, or whatever, it's for anyone who wants to dig deeper 
And God, and we would just love to talk to you. We would love with uh, Jesse. Uh, where's Jesse? We we we'd love to have a coffee with you sometime and see how we could partner with you guys in serving you because that's what we're about. We're not building our kingdom; we're building His kingdom. And so, that's the advertisement. Is that all right? <laughs> and. I was asked to talk about Myanmar. We go to Myanmar every year, and you've had Dr. Ong Mung here speaking in your church. So you guys know all about this. But we've, uh, Anthea just one day saw an email in her inbox about people willing to go for a month to Myanmar and teach English. And we would be one of the most broke couples in our church at that time. We've never had money in the bank. And yet, somehow, uh, Anthea got over there and uh, as a trained teacher, not trained in TESOL teaching, and found that to sit down with a bunch of students for four weeks and, and to help them learn how to write essays and help them learn how to, how to do Bible studies. And she was sitting down with pastors and, and Sunday school leaders and, and future church planters. Oh, what a joy it was. And then she got out and, and found a little church that never had guest speakers and said, can I, can I go to a church on the weekends that, that is not a big church but just a little? And she found this church that just is a church planting church and the pastor is, is an evangelist and this little bunch of people are sending out their own missionaries. And she said, we can help them. And so in little ways, like raising funds to buy a few sewing machines so that some, some Burmese ladies, Buddhist ladies, could learn how to sew and get saved while they were being taught. And they did. They all got saved, gloriously saved and baptized, and then sent back to their villages to plant churches. I think I clicked something. There you go. And, 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 and you, you know, this adventure opens up. And then another year saying, all right, we bought sewing machines for a few dollars what else could we do and so getting involved through this little church in church planting projects and whatever you think we didn't do anything we just because she dragged me along eventually to Myanmar to teach English and and, and it, it just opens up and it just began with saying okay God I guess we could go we got a whole family at home that, we, that, that have now grown and, and flown. I guess we could go and drag up the money somehow, and somehow we do. And that is a bit of our story. And I, I need to draw this to a close. And by the way, if you have qualifications teaching English, come and shoulder tap us after the service. Because we could take you along to Myanmar. And your church could send you. That would be fantastic. The only reason I've shared some of my story is firstly because I was asked to, doing what I'm told. But somehow I want to challenge you to write your story. And to challenge you by saying, look, what could it look like? Are you 80 plus and 
could knit finger puppets, then that could be your story. Are you a young person and, and, and got some skills? You could go on a mission trip of some kind. That could be your story. We all know missions doesn't just start overseas. It starts at home. And so, except that today is, 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 a, is a missions day probably focused a bit more overseas. I met a guy this week who'd worked with drug arm going down the streets of Wellington. I don't know what your story could look like. You might be young, this young lady here. I don't know what your story would look like in the second row. Am I looking at you? Yeah. What's your name? Shannon. I don't know what your story would look like. But I tell you this, don't live a boring life. Don't just settle down and, and, and put a lot of money in the bank and get a mortgage and a house and a car and a, an iPhone. You know, and a husband, yeah. I mean, no, 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 you can... Well, that was your words. I'm just passing it on. No... You engage well. <laughs> Fantastic. That is. But you know what I'm saying? Don't settle. Don't settle for the easy life. Don't settle for anything less than something that's exciting and adventure. And it, your story will be your story. But don't short sell yourself. Don't say, I could never. I mean, honestly, when Anthea said, Come and join me. You could teach English. I'm a science teacher. I was a science teacher. Been pastoring and preaching for 20, nearly 30 years. Yeah, what's a noun? Nouns and verbs and things. She, she said, you can do it. And I went in fear and trepidation. And you know what? The, the incre- it's been an amazing journey. One of my first students was a young pastor. And he's now pastoring a church. And he writes to me these emails. And I've been privileged. I was sharing the story one time, and anyway, long story cut short, it ended up with a whole bunch of people helping me to raise some money to send to him, and, and because as a pastor, his family was starving. They are really poor. And so they were able to buy uh, um, five acres of rice field to raise rice, pigs, some fruit, trees and stuff and feed them and some of their church family and about 12 orphans in their community and send a whole bunch of kids in their community to school and have Buddhist outreach to Buddhists and whatever and that all happened because Anthony said you can do it and I went and things snowballed for me it was my story and so you know when Jesus said all authority has been given to me and I really am Wrapping this up now. Anyway, you guys started late, so we can end a little bit late, right? (laughs) But words that were given, not to us just to make us feel nice, but words that were given in the context of the Great Commission. All authority, Jesus said, has been given. And if all authority... What can stop us? Who can stand against us? And if he's with us always, then we're not asked to go alone. We're not asked to be alone. 
And if it's true, what can stop us from obeying and being involved in missions? Probably only our indifference. God forbid that that would happen. And I suppose this thought came to me. Try the groan zone. You heard about the groan zone? There are, someone said there are three zones we could live in. And one was the comfort zone. We love the comfort zone. That's, the, that's what I'm encouraging you not to be, not to settle down for, the comfort zone, where everything is nice and comfortable. And it's relatively easy because we are so rich in New Zealand. And our biggest enemy is probably not the devil in a sense. It's affluence and comfort. There's a zone called the groan zone. It's when the spirit challenges you to give more than you've given and to go where you've never gone and to try what you've never tried before. And to get involved in God's great commission, your first response is a groan. No. Oh. I couldn't do that. No. And it's a groan. And it comes out in many different ways, but it's a groan. But a groan zone is okay. It is okay to say, no, I could never do that. I think it's okay to say no to God in that sense. As long as it's not a permanent no. And we groan, but it's okay. Because God knows our weakness. He knows our limitations. And as, as, as he knows, we've just said, but he says, I'm with you. And my authority is with you. And when we say, no, I can't, he says, yes, you can. Believe it. Try something you've never tried before. And out of the groan zone comes the growth zone, doesn't it? Because we grow and the church grows, the kingdom grows. People find Jesus, they find hope. And kids like that little kid on the streets find someone like Sandy who's gone and says, give me a cuddle, I love you and Jesus loves you. Could we close in prayer? I'd like to pray for you and ask God's blessing. Father God, thank you for the commission. Thank you for your last words. Thank you that Jesus, in, in all of the things that he could have said to us, he chose his last words to be a command to go, and to go with compassion. Father, if we've not had compassion, forgive us. And help us in some way to foster, to feed a compassion that, that you by your spirit can put in with us, in, inside of us. Lord, forgive us for not having compassion. Forgive us for dwelling in our comfort zone. But we want to go. We want to be obedient. We really do. And thank you that in that command to go, you've said that you have all authority and that you're going with us, you're always with us, and that we don't go alone. So we thank you for that. And my prayer for this congregation, this group of your people, is that together they would have a sense of unity 
in, in embracing this great commission. And together, when any one individual here embarks on some adventure of faith, together they would say, this is us. We are with you, sister. We are with you, brother. We are together with you, Bruce, when you get on that plane or whatever it might be. We are together. We are one. We are a sending church. We are a missionary church. We are a going church.